a, a significant difference in the atmosphere of uh, here in Bundaberg. You know, I think it's really important to, you know, have people who come in at different times because they can tell you what, what's going on because you get so used to it, right? Yeah. We, we, we become used to the, the atmosphere, so it's, it's really good. So I want to tell you um, it's different. Maybe, maybe you didn't understand my Tassie accent, you know. <laughs> I want to tell you that it's significantly different. It really is. For the better. Right. Okay, well, coming up on the plane um, from um, Brisbane to um, Bundaberg, when I got over the shock that I was, wasn't expected... I felt like the Lord just, uh, you know, just dealt with my rejection issues. <laughs> uh, I felt I felt like the Lord just told me that um, he, he wanted to do some things differently, and um, and so I, I started just to work that through and think, oh, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll preach differently or I'll preach something differently. Even told uh, Tim on on uh, Friday. Uh, well, I'm going to do this and I'll do it differently. Well, I wasn't expecting it to be different. I mean, I was, but in my terms. Well, four o'clock this morning, <laughs> I got woken up by the Lord and I tried to go back to sleep. Well, that was not very successful. And um, I, had, I, I had an encounter with the with the father that unlike I've not had before I had to come to Bundaberg to have it and he showed me some things so if it's okay with you I'd like to go with that if I, if, uh, are we okay? All right, so I, I figured we would be, but I just thought I'd need to hear from you. Um, and so can I ask you not to be a spectator and watch what's going on, but to actually participate? Because I have not felt and I'm still feeling the weight of what happened. It may be just for you, it's like, I oh, would know that. That's that's. But listen, there's always different dimensions. Um, let me just say this. Sometimes when we deal with something, we think we've done. It's finished. It's done. God's set me free. I've got a great, wonderful. And then sometime later it comes back again. Or oh, that's what we think. The enemy will often say something like, see, it didn't work. It doesn't work. Doing all that sort of stuff. That ministry prayer, whatever else. And... The problem is that he's wrong. Well, not the problem. It's the truth is he's wrong. Because what you're doing is not the same thing. You're dealing with a different dimension of the similar thing. You know, so for instance, you can deal with a fear or certain fears and, and you're doing well and going through. You've got breakthrough and then it comes back again or it seems to come back or it surfaces again. It's a different dimension of that. Right? And so what we deal with in the kingdom is dimensions. The, the church age was about a hierarchical levels, right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. 
Well, we're talking about dimensions, so a dimension of something. So we know about three dimensions. We know that uh, we, we hear about other dimensions. So I could talk for about that for a while. So let me just tell you what took place. And, and I'm going to try and communicate it. So the first thing he showed me was um, about Restoration Centre. And I kept hearing some words and then I saw an event played out and I want to I want to do I want to do that. It's all right? I heard that this place restoration center was birthed out of a desire from God. It was birthed and conceived in heaven and established here. It is not it is not an illegitimate birth. Now, I'm sure you know that. But it needs to be said in the atmosphere here. It needs to be declared that it is very much a legitimate birthing of something that God wanted to establish in a city that is a gateway to this country. In an apostolic city. Do you realize that? That this is an apostolic city? Well, let me give you an illustration of that. In the natural sense, I've had Bundaberg ginger beer in Manila. I've had it in Singapore. I've had it in Kuala Lumpur. I've had it in other nations. I've had it throughout the U.S., Right? You're exporting from here, which is really apostolic. It's being sent out, which is what, the, what, uh, uh, what it is. It's being sent out. Okay? So if you're okay, I want to do something. So Tim and the core team, could you, could you, Tim, could you mind standing here? And the core team, um, perhaps around Tim, around all right. Now, is it okay with you? We're, we're not spectating, so we're participating, all right? So sort of reach out. Okay, so the restoration center and centers was birthed here out of the desire and will of heaven. It was not just a good idea. It wasn't just something that conspired to create something. It is legitimate. It is legitimate. It has been established out of the will and desire of the Father. And now today, every word that's been declared, every curse word, every word that's been said that has described it as illegitimate, uh, described it as something that should not be happening, that didn't happen through the proper ways, must fall to the ground. Must fall to the ground. Must shrivel up and die because it is contrary to who God has said and what he has established. And so today, we establish once again the call. We establish once again the vision we establish once again the commission that took place in the establishment of here and we bring things into alignment.
things that have not quite worked as they should have today will move and come into alignment. For there is much that has been accomplished, says the Lord. But I have called you to be a place of restoration, a place of reformation, and a place of hope. For you will have reestablished those things that have been stolen. You reestablish those things that have been robbed. And you reestablish those things that have been put underground and trodden on. So, whilst you have already established, whilst you have already begun, the Father says, This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And so, with you, Tim, with the core team and all of your leaders, I want to declare today a lifting off of accusation, a lifting off of boycotting, a lifting off of keeping your distance, a lifting off of things that have ever been said that is contrary to what God is doing. The Lord says, I'm opening the eyes for people to see. I'm opening the eyes of other leaders to see. And there will be ones who will come and say, I never saw, we never saw it, we never saw it. And the Lord says that your heart's desire is one of a connector. Your heart's desire is one who is to bring together. And the Father says, I'm going to launch you further into that, where you will bring people together because reconciliation is your ministry reconciliation is that which I've given you to do and you will reconcile things you will reconcile father in Jesus name I bless I release I set you in a place that you have only just begun in Jesus name Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes just something like that can make a difference. And I can't communicate to you how powerful it came to me and how I feel a lot better now I've released it. I can feel like I can think. But you know what's really interesting? Last week you had Katie here, a prophet. She set the scene for what's taking place today, which is often what prophets do. I arrived here and my gift mix is apostolic prophetic. And so sometimes it's much more prophet, less apostolic. This time it's been quite interesting for me because it's been more difficult for me to head into the prophet part and much more in the apostolic. So we see something got. Now, let me take you into the next part. This is a little tougher. Let me just give you a little bit of context. Tim told you that I was a national leader of a movement of churches in, in Australia and internationally. Um, I was on that national leadership team for lots of years and I became the national leader for five years. At the conclusion of, it, of that year, um, I think it was two, uh, 2011, um, it became very clear to my wife and I that I was to resign. 
my heart's desire is always to pass on the baton or pass on to the next person. The Lord wouldn't let me do it. And so I resigned and sometime later left that particular group of, of people, but I never passed that on. Over the last few years, my huge heart and desire for this country has seemingly sort of, you know, I love this country. I love to be an Australian. I love, I love it, you know, but the, the, it's, it's shifted, it's changed, and it's become somewhat of a frustration for me. Most of my time, I, even this time, I'm spending in other nations, particularly in the U.S., and I have some prophetic words about the U.S., and so it became somewhat of a, a struggle. And then this morning, the Lord showed me something which I was totally unprepared for. Some years ago, I gave this to Tim. It's a sword. It's heavy. Uh, I will in a bit. So I saw something happen this morning, and I want to play it out. Is that okay? Tim, would you mind standing again? I understood this morning, for the first time ever, that there was a residual anointing for this nation still on me, things to, to do things to accomplish, and yet I, things undone, things unfinished, and uh, I haven't been able to do them. And the Lord told me this morning that it's timed it's time to let that go and to pass it on to Tim that those things that are on my life, that anointing, that mantle for this, this nation, I'm going to release to him. doesn't mean that I'm finished. It means I'm released to do other things. You see, he is about to step into a greater apostolic influence and leadership if you think of, for instance, King David, he was, he was anointed three times. One as a worshipper, one as a warrior, one as a king. And that's what you're going to see for Tim today. Now, normally, if I got that, I would just do it. But what happened to this morning, at early hours of the morning, the Lord had me called two uh, apostolic guys I'm in relationship. I wanted a conference call. I submitted it to them. Uh, one of them knows Tim very well, and they told me, yes, this is the Lord, this is what's going on. And so I'm representing them, not just me. Caught up my wife, and she gave me a number of things that the Lord had spoken to her out of the conversation. And so I submitted that, and then I submitted it to Tim. That's quite unusual for me. Not that I'm not submitted, I just like if I get something God showed me, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm just going to do it. So...
So, an end, an end of an era for me and this nation, and the beginning of something new that adds to you. And we talk about a double anointing that we see and there's another mantle that now is a... I gave you this sword years ago. You were worthy of the sword then. Now, not only are you worthy, but you now can, you're, you're really now trusted to use it. So, Tim... I release that to you. That's which is residual. That's things that I didn't accomplish, couldn't accomplish, didn't have the time to. You now have this. And in years to come, you will do exactly the same that's happening here to others. It's time for you and the sons to make a difference in this nation and you'll start with the heart. I know I'm going to preach up <laughs> You know, there's, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And sometimes I, I think in this nation, a part of that whole tall poppy thing, you know, part of the th that whole thing within our nation is that we mistake confidence for arrogance. So here's, here's really the way that you can tell the difference. Confidence has thanksgiving and gratitude attached to it. A confident person who is, is, is thankful, they, they know where that confidence has come from. An arrogant person, you know, th there's no gratitude, there's no thanksgiving with that. And we need to be careful we don't mix them up. You know, <clears throat> sometimes um, a person who's not very confident will, will mix up and will see that somebody else's confidence is arrogance. Right? So please remember that. 
please remember that because he's going to become more and more confident, right? And he's going to have increasingly some more confident people around about. And many of that's you, of course, but there'll be others. Yes? I want to talk with you in the little bit of time that we've got left. I want to talk to you about hope. Is that okay? Oh, please help me. <laughs> and I, I just ask you a, a, a couple of questions. What do you see and who do you think you are? What do you see and who do you think you are? See, it's really important what you see. What can you see? I'm not talking about what you can see with your natural eyes. I'm talking about what unseen things can you see? And then who do you think you are? Now, I knew that we, we use that, to, you know, like, who do you think you are? Um, but the, 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 it's still true. Who do you think you are? It really matters who you understand who you are. And before any breakthrough, you'll always have an upgrade on understanding about who you are. God will always take you into that. Now, we know that hope is a pretty important thing. In uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 13, uh, after we've heard all about love and Paul's wonderful exposure of, of what love is, and then at the end we said, and there's three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We know that God is love. We know that without faith it's impossible to please God. We know that faith, according to Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So that faith, without faith it's impossible to please God. So one of the things that the enemy does and has been doing is attacking hope. Because if he can bring an onslaught of hope and cause you to feel hopeless and out of the place of hope, and hope is an expectancy, then what he does is he diminishes faith. Right? Because faith, a key component of faith is hope. Right? And I've heard people here talk about... Actually, Guy said something that just triggered off. People talking about it feels like the stuffing's been knocked out of me in the season that we've been in, and the time that we've been in. Um, and it, it, it's, there's been an onslaught for a number of years now against hope and people feeling hopeless and they don't even really know why they're hopeless, feeling hopeless or having such hopelessness around about and people just saying, well, you know, what's the use of, what's the use of living? What's the use of doing these sorts of things? You know, what's, what's their future? And yet we know, we know that our greatest days are ahead of us. I mean, if you, if you don't know that, then you're believing a lie. So hope is a really important thing. It's a really vital thing. And in fact, I strongly believe that this group of people here, this restoration center and others that will be a part of you will be places where hope will be very, 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 you get that? Strongly expressed.
One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 15 verse 13 says this, Now may the God of hope, now, not tomorrow, not next week, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now, you know I'm the joy guy. You know I'm the joy practitioner. I've read, read my book, you know, Who Let the Joy Out. You know, I, I like to laugh. At, joy is such a catalyst. So, so God wants to fill us with joy and peace in believing. Now, what does he want us to believe? He wants us to believe that we will abound in hope. Now, let me unpack that. Abound means to have enough for you, enough for your family, and plenty to give away. That's what it means. An illustration of that is um, I I was in Wyoming in um, this place called Labarge. You've been there. Uh, It's it's 7,000 feet above sea level, about 500 people. It looks like the moon. It's a desert. Uh, an amazing place that God does incredible things. Uh, there's a conference there once a year. People get ch- life-changing experiences from this place in the middle of nowhere. So I was there and the food truck, the food bank truck turned up. So they unloaded all the food and then the driver said, I've got all of these tomatoes. He didn't call them tomatoes, he called them tomatoes, but they, they're wrong. And he said, we've got them. And there were just, there were just these you know, flat tray stacks of them. And so they unloaded all of these tomatoes. And they were on the phone calling people, come and get the tomatoes. I was with them. We were driving down the street. And the main street stopped, pulled over. Do you want some tomatoes? Come on, get some tomatoes. They were trying to give them away. Why were they trying to give them away? Because they were abounding in tomatoes. They had too many. That's heaven's expectation of what it looks like for hope. To have too much of it. To be wanting to say, hey, listen, I've got too much hope. We've got it. We've used it in that. We've bottled it. We've frozen it. We've got it everywhere at home. We just want to give it away. Knock on the, can you have some hope? Can you please take it from us? We've got too much. That's what it's meant to look like. But most of us like... We don't have enough. Come on, we haven't got enough. What's going on? Because that's heaven's expectation. So a lot of the things actually are triggered by our expectation. When we actually believe that we would have more than enough hope. I haven't, I haven't really seen it. I've seen some quite hopeful people. But see, hope is so vital. Now, Let's define what hope looks like. I mean, hope is an earnest expectation. So it's expectation with hot sauce, turbocharged. (laughs) It's an expectation for good. So it means you have an expectation. I'm expecting. This is what I'm expecting for. So let me take it even into another place and, and try and take it a little bit even more practical. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24, it says this, For we were saved in this hope. Right? We were saved in this hope. I mean, aren't you thankful? Aren't you grateful that we got saved into this hope? Is, is my accent, there's something wrong with it? For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
For why does one still hope for what he sees? Okay, let's just say, right, that I don't have a phone, mobile phone. And I'm, 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 I'm wanting... I'm wanting an iPhone because I'm apostolic. But just, just say, just, just wait. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying for, I'm asking for, I'm hoping for. I can see it. I can picture it. Yes, this iPhone, you know, iPhone 12. I, I can see it. I, I don't have it, but I want it. And then it turns up. Here it is. I have it. Now, I don't have to hope anymore because it has manifested. It, 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 what I was hoping for, what I was believing for, what I was seeing for has now manifested itself and I don't have to hope anymore. So this is what he's saying. He said, listen, you have to hope for what is not seen. But how, how, do, you, how do you hope for something that you can't see? But if you don't hope for something that you can't see, then you're not going to manifest what... Can, can't be seen. So, this is what I think. I think that hope is a positive imagination. I think that hope is a positive imagination. God has given us an imagination, right? Yeah? Well, come on. You all use your imagination. Right? You all do. It's called worry. <laughs> it is. It's a negative imagination. Think about it. It is true. It is a negative imagination. See, when you understand that in the kingdom there's the, 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 the negative things and then the positive things. For instance, fear is believing that what you cannot see will happen. Fear is believing that what you cannot see, it will going to happen. It's going to take place. Now, faith, the definition of faith is believing that what you cannot see will take place. Same definition, but one's negative and one's positive. It's the same with hope. Hope is, an, is a positive imagination. It's seeing something before you see it in the positive. And worry is in the negative. That's why meditation, right through the scripture, we see meditation. And some people just pull back from meditation. You know, I, I get into trouble talking about this in, in the US particularly because people immediately switch to that is new age. Listen, God thought of it first. I mean, you only counterfeit something when there's a real. <coughs> So what do you see? What can you see? What can you see? I want to um, say something that was already in my notes, but it just came alive to me when I was on the plane from Brisbane to Bundaberg. And this is what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. And I just want to say, just as a side note, I said this 
some, somewhere else, but I want to say it again. I actually think that that whole book of Ephesus is very significant for you as a group of people, each of the chapters. I think it, not only are you going to fulfill and walk out some of those things in that whole book of, F, of Ephesians, but you'll actually add to other things to do. You know, so like Jesus said, you'll do what I've done, but I'll do even greater. Right? So, so this is what it said. This is Paul. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you'll continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. I pray that your eyes of your heart would be illuminated. Um, this is actually the subject of my next book, which is, which is called Hope Imagined. And um, I'm just rewriting it, actually, because and, and that's a whole other thing. But there's a, there's a lot that God is saying about what it looks like to have a positive imagination in contrast to a negative imagination. And one of the things that tends to happen is that as we grow up, as we get older, we are told to really get out of our imagination, get into reality. It's like shut down. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that in order to enter into the kingdom, you've got to become like a little child. Not childish, but childlike. And there's probably two things particularly that kids are really good at. Uh, one is having a lot of fun and, you know, like if they're out playing and there's a lot of laughter, you know that things are pretty well. But if there's not, if it's quiet or if there's crying, you know something's wrong, right? But, you know, they bring a lot of joy, they laugh and all of those sorts of things. The other thing is that they have vivid imaginations, right? I've been around some kids that, that describe to me that something they made with Lego and I'm looking at it and thinking, how do you get that out of that? <laughs> but it's very real. It's, they, they're just imaginations. Like, like you know, they, they've got a box and it's a spaceship. Right? Or, you know, you ask a kid, you know, what do you want? Oh, well, I want to be an astronaut. Oh, I want to be this or whatever else. And, and we, well, wait a minute, you know, you, you, you know, we come back to reality. Let's come back to reality. Because we've been trained to shut down that and to be in our logic. Right? Now, what we often have to do is give ourselves permission to actually head back into our imagination. Because I believe that hope is a positive imagination. And it's being able to see something. Jesus, sorry, it's said of God that he, see, he speaks of those things that are not yet seen as if they are. How do you do that? You can do that because you see it already in, in, in your imagination. You see it already and it becomes manifest. Let, let me just give you a little bit more practical application of this. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
that I've heard people, and you've probably done it, I've probably done it, says, I've got faith for that. I've got faith for that healing, or I've got faith for that, or whatever. So we're actually never told to have faith for something. We're told to have faith in someone. And so think about this. The imagination, I believe, is actually the spiritual womb of our lives. It's where seed thoughts come. It's where gestation comes and we feed it and it becomes into a place where that you move from an expectation into a place of certainty, which is faith. So that you can say, I am certain this is going to happen. That's when faith connects in and you're actually able to declare this is going to take place. You're not just hoping that it's going to take place. Why? It's because you have spent the time in hope and it's generated in you and God has done some things and grown it in you so that it is almost ready to become in a place of birth. Not, isn't it interesting that the lady who did communion talked about that? Asked us, you know, just imagine we're pregnant. So you, you really need to come into a place where you give yourself permission to head back into it. And, and, and often it's childish. It feels childish. It's like, I've grown up out of that. But you see, remember, God says, I want you to abound in hope. God says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. We need hope. We need abounding in hope. We need hope to abound. Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. See, knowledge is really what's, what's been. And you could, that's important. We've lived in an in, you know, information age. But imagination is what can be. What can happen. How things can look different. It really doesn't take any supernatural ability to speak of what is. Anybody can do that. Anybody can tell you how bad things are or how difficult things are or how tough things are. And they're all important. But it takes some supernatural ability to speak of what can be in the midst of circumstances that are tough, that are trying. It takes some supernatural empowerment that God wants to bring to us if he wants us to abound in hope, can't you think that he would actually like to show us an alternative? But if we're not willing to look for an alternative, then we're not going to see it. That's what Jesus said. Seek and you will find. No seeking, no finding. So I want to ask you today, what do you see? And who do you think you are? I'm going to ask you one more time. What do you see? And who do you think you are? Time to abound in hope.
because the word of the Lord is that he wants to illuminate the eyes of your imagination. He wants to flood you with life, light, that you'll experience the revelation of the hope of his calling. If you would do something um, with me now, just as I you know, finish some of this time uh, today, um, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes, not because that's anything special, but just sort of give you an opportunity just to think. And if you, if you wouldn't mind just taking your, your hands and putting it on your body somewhere, because, you know, we believe in laying on of hands, but I haven't got enough hands to lay it all on you. So I'd ask you to participate, just lay hands on you somewhere. And um, Father, we just thank you that your plan, your desire is that we would be abounders of hope, that we would have so much hope that it would be bursting out of us, that we would be looking for places and people to release hope to. That's what you said, that we would abound in hope. So I thank you that even right at the moment that joy and peace are flooding into people's lives. Father, I thank you that you're giving us the courage to be able to give ourselves permission, Father, to imagine again that every limitation that was placed upon us by parents or other people who told us to grow up, who told us to get out of the fantasy world or fantasy place where we were ridiculed for those sorts of things, that, Father, they would just fall off right now in the name of Jesus, that this place, this group of people would be the most hopeful people on the planet. Father God, that people would be saying, why are you so hopeful? Where did you get that from? And Father, it would be so obvious around Bundaberg, so obvious in this region, so obvious in this state, so obvious in this country, that there is so much hope there. They are the most hopeful people. They are the most hopeful people. They are the people of hope. You want some hope? Go and see those people over there at Restoration Centre because they've got too much. They want to give it away. So, Father, that's your plan. That's what you have said. Not me, not some other idea. That's what you said that we were to believe that we could abound in hope. So I thank you that today the water level of belief has Father gone through the roof. The water level of belief has gone through the roof that people will walk out of here today free to imagine and strongly believing that they are destined to abound in hope. So, Father, we, we, we just thank you. We just thank you for that, for what you are doing, and that there will be a move from negative imagination and stepping into positive imagination, Father, in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. What do you see? Who do you think you are? 
I don't have much to say. <laughs> no. um, oh gosh. I know I've had a walk of a prophetic bride, and I've, the Lord's been shaking me and <laughs> had me an intense intercession while all this has been going on. And about 10 years ago, when we started an intercessory team for Bundaberg, the first declaration that we were given was that the fire of God would enter into the bellies of the men in the city. <laughs> and he's been giving that me the whole time this morning has been going on. So I declare it in hope and faith that the fire of God will enter this city and into the bellies of the men in this city. Amen. Come on. Uh, there's no, when, you know, the Word of God says that everything is established by two or three witnesses. Amen. So what do we do with the fact that Katie was here last week and what did she speak on? Hope. She spoke on hope. She finished with Romans 15, 13. Mark gets here this morning. He starts with Romans 15, 13. Everything is established by two or three witnesses, amen? God is speaking to us, yep, to be able to see with our spiritual eyes and not just what we see in the natural. Because we are a people that believe for transformation. Transformation of people's lives. Transformations of marriages. Transformations of families. Transformations of, 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 of households. Transformations. Transformations of a city. A city that has had so much pain and trauma and division. And the answer is Jesus. And over the time we've been in Bundaberg, we've met so many people that go, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I can't seem to leave this place. How many are here like that? There's a few. The way to the greater things is surrendering to Jesus. Amen. I can't go back to the, the, the position of our heart because He came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom. He didn't think about Himself. He think about other people. That's how we give hope. We're not thinking about ourselves, but all of a sudden we, we see someone that needs, that needs some hope. And we stand with them. Amen. Next week, we're going to unpack that vision that Katie gave us three years ago. And we're going to relook at some points because the invitation of the Lord is, I believe, upon us. And everybody's needed. Amen. Even if you've just given your life to Jesus, you are needed. He has plans and purposes for you. So let's, Mark's uh, always pretty, um, pretty open. So if you want some words of encouragement, why not get blessed by the Lord through Mark? 
I've always found him very accurate. It's good. But let's worship. Where's that? Yeah. Let's just come and surrender and we just open up. If you need prayer for healing, for anything this morning, the front is open. People will pray for you, with you. People will stand with you. If you just want to come and say, God, I surrender all. I surrender all. I just want to give this past season. I want to give my doubts to you. I want to give my worries to you. I surrender all because I just want to come to you, Jesus. This is a great time of washing and cleansing in the Spirit, I believe. Oh.